14th verse. Praise you, Lord. 14th verse of James. James chapter 2. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or a sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say to them, Depart in peace, be warmed, and be filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Someone said, faith is like calories. You can't see them, but you can see the results. And I want to tell you, that's true, see? <laughs> Full gospel preacher. And I'm on the level because I can tell the bubble's in the middle. <clears throat> Martin Luther considered the book of James wood, hay, and stubble. He didn't, he didn't have much use for this book. But I think it's because he didn't fully understand the book of James. I want to give you three things that you must keep in mind whenever you're studying the book of James. You might want to write them down. Three things that you keep in mind when you're studying the book of James. Number one, the situations are different that James is addressing as compared to what Paul is addressing. Paul talks about the way of salvation. He says, you can't earn salvation. And so when he talks about works, he's talking about salvation. But James, when he's uh, talking about works, he's talking about a life that a person lives after he is saved. Secondly, this meaning for the word works is different in each situation. Paul, when he speaks of works, he's talking about the Jewish law, that by keeping the law, you could never be saved. But James, on the other hand, is talking about works of love, a proof of faith that is already alive in your heart. And James, thirdly, was not contrasting two methods of salvation, but he was talking about two kinds of faith. He was talking about real faith and false faith. He was talking about a live faith and a dead faith. And so we see, first of all, that true faith produces something. True faith will cause you to react. Going forward, 
coming to an altar and accepting the Lord in response to the Word of God is an act of faith. But if all you do is come forward and bow at this altar and make a mental assent to accepting the Lord and it doesn't do anything in your heart or in your life, then you really, your faith is dead. It's not the kind of faith that will save you. And Paul is dealing with that here, and he says, what does it profit? You know, if we're going to do something, we want, we want to make a certain amount of profit. How many enjoy wasting their time? I don't want to be wasting time. I want to see some results. If I'm going to labor at something, I want to get paid for it. And we are doing a labor of love. We're about our Father's business, and it ought to have a certain results. So I want to see people, when they come to our altars, I want to, and, and they ask Jesus into their heart, I want them to mean it. I don't want them to just say it because they think that's the thing to do. I want them to accept Jesus because they want Jesus and they want to change. What does it profit? In other words, what good is it? Can you imagine, what, what good is it? We, we have maybe 100 people come to the altar this year. Wouldn't that be nice? But if all 100 of those people just made a profession of of faith in Jesus Christ and went out and still lived the way they always lived, what good would it do? That's what James is talking about. What is it profit? What good is it? That kind of faith doesn't do any good for Jesus. It's not helping Jesus one bit because if we go out and we live the same as we always lived, it really brings dishonor to his name rather than honor, doesn't it? It doesn't harm Jesus a bit. It doesn't help others. If we got the kind of faith that doesn't materialize and bring forth fruit, meat for repentance, then what good is it? If we see a, and we'll be dealing with it here in a moment, we see a person in need and we don't do anything for that person. We're not helping them any. See, that love that, that Jesus gives to us, that love that he places in our heart, if it's really there, we will begin to do something about it. We'll begin to love other people instead of thinking of ourselves all the time. What is a prophet? Well, it doesn't profit Jesus, and it doesn't profit others, and it won't profit you if you just come to this altar and just ask Jesus into your heart and then go out and do the same things. It just doesn't do any good. I want you to note that James didn't write 
if a man has faith. He didn't say that. What did he say there? Verse 14. He says that if a man says he has faith, it doesn't mean he's got it. He's just saying, I've got faith. Well, anybody can say they got faith. How are you going to know who's got the faith and who hasn't? Jesus said that by their fruits you're going to know. <coughs> I believe there's, it's going to be evident. I remember just before I got saved, I'd been going to church for 13 years. And uh, I was sitting at my brother's house at the table and my sister came in and she said have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed and I thought wow I mean talk about boldness and I, I, I was taken back how do I answer and I said well if you have to ask me I guess not But it started me searching. Had I received the Holy Ghost? Because if you've received the Holy Ghost, it ought to be evident. If you've accepted Jesus, it ought to be evident. Amen? Hallelujah. <clears throat> How many's seen Pilgrim's Progress? You ever see the movie or read the book? There was a man in there, his name was Talkative. And Bunyan says about him, religion has no place in his heart or home or his house or conduct. All he has lies in his tongue and is religion just something to make a noise with. Can you imagine that? But yet we see that kind of thing happening. They're just making noise. God forbid that we're just making noise. God wants to have an outworking. He wants to see us grow in the faith. He wants to see, see us helping the poor. He wants to see us witnessing for him. He wants to see the outworkings of our faith. You know, if we talk the talk, we ought to walk the walk. Isn't that right? Amen. Secondly, James begins to talk about true faith here, starting with verse 18. He talks about it being alive. But someone will say to you, have faith. Or someone will say to you, someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your wor uh, faith without your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, oh foolish man, that faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. I want a living faith. I want a true faith. 
I want something that's vibrant, something that's alive. And I'm sure that that's what most of you want. James is expressing a principle here, and it's a principle that we need to get a hold of. The principle is that faith in the heart is going to be manifest in the life. That's the principle. I'll give you three scriptures to back it up. The first one's in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23. It says, keep your heart with all diligence. I mean, you've got to watch what you're taking into your heart. You know, whatever goes into the mind goes into the heart. And out of the heart proceeds the issues of life. And we watch television, or if we watch, uh, we read books that aren't right, or we watch uh, uh, or look at uh, pornographic material, eventually that comes out in your life. Whatever you take into your mind goes into your heart, comes out in your life. That's the principle that he's teaching. So if you have faith in your heart, then faith is going to begin to react in your life. Faith will cause you to do what you believe. Proverbs 23 and verse 7. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. What you're thinking down in the heart, that's the way you are. What do you have in your heart tonight? That's the question. If you've got the wrong thing in your heart, the wrong thing comes out in your life. And so, how do you change that? We begin to take good things into our mind. We begin to look at these lives that were lived out when we look at both the good and the bad, and we realize their mistakes. These things were written for us upon whom the ends of the world has come, that we might not fall into the same pitfalls that they had. David fell into a pitfall when he should have been out working, when he should have been out leading his country, when he should have been out there with his men. He's up on a roof lollygagging around and he's wasting his time and he looks over next door and there's a woman taking a bath. He wouldn't have seen that if he'd been doing what he was supposed to be doing. Instead, he was, he was just laying back and idle hands and idle minds get into problems. And he was laying back, and the first thing you know, it got him into trouble. He not only committed adultery, he committed murder. Keep your heart with all diligence. And this goes for a Christian as well as a non-Christian. If you don't keep your heart, the first thing you know, the devil will begin to put his garbage in. And the first thing you know, you got garbage out. 
isn't that what they say about computers? Garbage in, garbage out? Well, that's the way we work. Whatever we take in, that's what comes out. And if we're going to live victorious, we've got to take the principles taught in the scriptures into our heart. You got to go to Sunday school. You got to go to church. You got to you got to have good fellowship with good people, and God will begin to put good principles into your life. Luke six and verse forty-five. A good man out of the good treasures of his heart brings forth good. An evil man out of the evil treasures of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. People, your mouth will betray you. It's like a window to your heart. And if you talk enough, people will begin to see what's really down there. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's that mean? I, I had a man at Elam gave a, uh, a, an illustration one time, and it's always stuck with me. He took a glass of water, and he had it filled right to the very brim. He said, that's the abundance now he said, is when someone comes over and bumps you and whatever's in there splashes out. It, it overflows. How do you react when someone bumps you? What comes out? That's what's really down in your heart. When you get bumped. You know, when everything's running smooth, you know, you can, you, can, you can go right along with all the rest of the good Christians, right? But when you hit your finger with a, with a hammer, how do you react? When you run a, one of these nails that's shot out of a 22 uh, type gun that they shoot into the floor and so forth and it goes right through your thumb. How do you react? When your wife doesn't react the way you want her to react, how do you react? When mom don't give you your way, how do you react? Ralph Erskine, a great Scottish preacher, said, Faith and works are the two feet with which a man walks in Christ. One without the other produces a spiritual cripple. 
If you got faith and it doesn't produce works, it's like a man trying to hobble around on one leg. Your faith has to be the kind that does something. And then in verse 19 here of our text, he shows a little, little wit, a little sanctified wit. I mean, he's trying to drive home a point. He says, you believe that there's uh, one God. Hallelujah, you believe there's one God. You do well. Even the devils believe and tremble. Do you see this? He's being very sarcastic. Here's people that's saying, I can be saved by faith and I don't have to do anything. And he got, well, the devils believe too. And they don't do anything either. And they're not going to make it either, are they? You see, everyone in the family of God does the will of God. Mark it down. Everyone in the family of God does the will of God. You remember Jesus was in the house and his brothers and his sisters came over and his mother, they came over and they said, uh, They'd been hearing that he was, he was demon-possessed and that he was a little off his rocker. He, he wasn't doing too well. They come over, they were going to help him out. And they said, tell Jesus we're here. So someone says, hey, your mother and your brothers and your sisters are out there. He said, who's my mother and my brothers and my sisters? They that do the will of my father are my brothers and my sisters and my mother. If you're not doing the will of God, then you're not a part of the family of God. Because God's family does the will of the father. Fear, the principle here is fear will never bring obedience. Fear will never bring obedience. You know, there's a lot of people that fear God. I mean, really fear God. They're, 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 they take him as fire insurance, but it never brings the obedience. There's only one thing that will produce obedience, and that's love. Love produces obedience. Ephesians 2. If you want to turn there with me, Ephesians 2. And verse 
8. For by grace you have been saved. How? Through faith. And that not of yourself. It is a gift of God gave you the faith. Not of works. And this particular works here is trying to earn it. It's not of works, least any man should boast. If you could buy your salvation, if you could earn your salvation, if you could work hard enough to deserve it, then you'd have somewhat to boast. But you have nothing to boast of. It's a gift of God. All you got to do is accept it. So when you come to the altar, you come and you accept Jesus Christ. It's a free gift. But then what does it say? It says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. For what? For good works. We're created to do good. You see, that's what James is trying to say. That faith will begin to motivate you to do good. Just as Jesus went about healing the sick and doing good. We're to continue that same ministry, healing the sick, doing good, reaching out to people that are hurting. And last of all, verses 21 through 26 of our text, faith produces obedience. Faith mixed with love, of course. Verse 21, was not Abraham our father, see, he gives the example here, justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you not see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. James here is teaching that Abraham's justification or acquittal before God depended upon his works. But they were works that was motivated by faith. He's saying justification is by faith combined with works. You see, the kind of faith that moves the heart will regulate the life. So when you come to the altar and you, you ask Jesus into your heart, it, you've got to have the faith 
that will change your heart. If it doesn't change your heart, it's not doing any good. If you're not willing to change, then don't come. If you don't really want to live for Jesus, then don't bother to come. But if you really mean what you're saying, that you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, he saves people from their sins, not in their sins. And he'll save you. He'll clean up your life. All things will pass away. Behold, all things will become new. Hallelujah. You see, faith can't just lie dormant. Faith has to be active. Faith has to react to what it knows to be true. If you know that Jesus Christ is the truth, the life, and the way, that no man cometh unto the Father by him, then you are, you are motivated by the Spirit of God and by the faith that you have in, in what I just said, that you'll get up out of your seat and come to the altar. But if your faith is, is just a mental ascent, you'll sit in your seat. You'll die in your sins. Rahab, I want you to go to, to Joshua. Joshua chapter 2. These spies, Joshua had sent them out. They, they went to the, uh, Rahab the harlot's house. She hit them on the roof. And uh, let's start with verse 10. For we have heard, and this is Rahab talking, we have heard how the Lord uh, dried up the waters of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites, who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you uh, utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our heart melted. Neither did uh, there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God. Now there is, she is making a statement of faith. She said, the Lord your God, he is God. See, she was saved, that's her faith, but then she, she did some works after the men who were looking for them disappeared, she sends them out by another way. She reacts to the faith that she just said, your God is God, and she begins to react to it. Now, if you know God to be God, you're going to have to react to it. Now, Jesus came to save you. He came that you might have life and that might have it more abundantly. He came that you might know him in a personal way. 
that he might change you into the image of Jesus Christ, that he might take away your sins, that you might have forgiveness for your sins. He wants to change your life. Do you want your life changed? And I believe that this message tonight is for some people in here. So if everyone would just bow their heads in prayer. I believe there's some people in here tonight that you've heard the word now. And you've got no excuses for not accepting the Lord Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. But if you want Jesus, you're going to have to come to this altar. And you're going to have to ask Jesus to come into your heart. Don't look around for somebody to come with you. If you really mean it, you'll come by yourself. You just slip right out of your seat and come on up while everybody's praying. Hallelujah.